Hi, this is Brianna. And this is Paula. Welcome to Ask That Therapist. The podcast where two licensed therapists answer the questions you've always wanted to ask. And so that really brings us into why are we here? Not for the money, because we are not getting paid for this. But, you know, it's funny. We're both on social media as therapists. (laughs) And because you wanted to start the book club. You reached out to me. Forgot about that. our, short, our short-lived therapist book club. Well, your short-lived therapist yeah, book club. Yeah, we tried. So now we're upgrading it to a podcast. Maybe someone out there wants to learn about not only books from the men- that are in the mental health field that might be helpful, but also just, you know, really from that more research-based um, perspective on mental health. Yeah, I think that's been what I've really liked the most about the, like, more of my like book themed Instagram is just finding everyone else who's really interested in these books um, or finding someone who hadn't heard of it and then read something that's super helpful. Like it's building like this really cool, like empathetic community uh, of people just kind of learning new things, finding new support and resources. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun. And definitely you and I have exchanged some great book recs and read the same things. Um, yeah. And really being able to work through and have that time because with these reels and mm-hmm. with the, you know, under a minute Instagram and uh, the way people's minds and brains don't, you know, last long mm-hmm. on that when you're in those sites or on TikTok mm-hmm. is that you don't have time to dive into the gray and the nuances of yes. psychology and mental health. Yeah. I think that's yeah. That's why there's so much of that like pop psychology, mm-hmm. which like is because it's sort of easy to digest. Right. And healing and growth is not it's like you said there's the nuance there's the gray there's reading something and taking what speaks to you and leaving what doesn't so this is hopefully going to be a a way to do that uh that's more i think fits more with like how you and i even discuss books in the first Mm -hmm. place like when we talk about them (laughs) yeah yeah and, and I love how you said and that DBT skill of it can be so many things. And I think this is that because we were exploring how do we even talk about this or how do we create this space? You know, especially in the therapy world, mm-hmm. it feels like to a degree, a lot of this information is gatekept. And yeah, the sense of you have to pay. And especially if you really want those more in-depth analysis of childhood and really trauma and the complexity of it and somatic therapy a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of skills that are free resources and through books, but a lot of it is gatekept. And so how do we mm-hmm. break it down to really work with people's questions, you know, when mm-hmm. they don't have the time or money to go to therapy? Yeah, I think that's always the hard part. Doing it all on your own can be really hard and stuff might come up that you're not prepared for, which, you know, hopefully by maybe reading a book beforehand, you get a little bit more of an insight into that. And I've read some that do a really good job of being like, and when these things kind of pop up, like, right. take a break from this book, go check in with a therapist. This book will be here later. Come back. And I think that's always a really beautiful way to do it, too, is just like acknowledging that it is really hard and there's so many great resources and that you can take your time, that it's not like a race. It's not like a, despite the fact that I read a ton of them. (laughs) Well, you're a fast uh, reader more than the average. I will say you'd read what a book in a minute. Oh, I, (laughs) I mean, practically. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And like, I read a lot of the self-help so that I can actually talk about them Mm -hmm. when I'm reading them for myself, completely different process. Yeah. Um, which is, 
hopefully can be more of like how we talk about it here of like, how do we integrate some of this information? How do we understand it? Put it into context. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's our whole hope is we're going to dive into it, but it's more, we're going to have the Instagram and these questions where you can, when we tell you upcoming the book that we're going to be talking about, we want you to ask questions and that way we can kind of answer and talk through and discuss what Mm -hmm. your burning questions are about these topics. Yeah. And questions, if you've read the book, questions, if you haven't read the book, any of the above, um, we want to answer sort of all of those and perhaps expand into other things like different therapy or like how to find a therapist, what to Mm -hmm. expect, like Mm -hmm. just sort of these topics that we can answer questions, but definitely starting with these books, you don't have to have read them to ask us questions or to listen to the episodes about them. That's for sure. So I think we'll put, let's talk a little bit about what's to come. So what we're hoping is that we'll kind of, like we said, sort of near the beginning, we'll talk about different books. Um, and before those episodes, before we record them, we'll ask for questions from everybody about the book, about what you read in the book, anything like that, or if we have other topics that we talk about. So our first book-based episode will be the next episode that comes out. And we're going to be talking about the book, Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before? Delves into these different topics and talks about some of the like, quote unquote, basic psychoed information. And so we'll talk about that. So we'll post onto the Instagram, the Ask That Therapist Instagram, as well as our own individual Instagrams, uh, asking for people to submit questions about the book. And then we will answer them on the podcast. We're excited about that one. I really liked that book. I, I've shared it with students um, a fair amount. So it's a good sort of like primer into what's all this stuff that we talk about. <laughs> Even in the intro, I was like, wow, we mm-hmm. need to read parts of this intro because it, yeah, yeah, it just really will save that, but it's a really powerful book. And I think mm-hmm. when we conceptualize mental health, psychology, how do we heal? Like we want to okay. sort of bring things to you all in all these different ways to help you access this information, learn this right. stuff, um, psychoed. And, and I think like what's in this book shouldn't be kept behind the therapist's like door. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm really excited to talk about it. I'm going to flip through it as well. And I'm interested to hear what everyone's questions are about it. So this will be great. Which I think brings us into the first question. Brianna, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you focus on, what you do in your practice? Yeah. So trauma and somatic therapy is my specialty. Um, specifically, I use trauma-informed yoga, meditation, breath work. I'm a, you know, trained in trauma-informed yoga through Yoga Alliance and different certifications and just throughout my years of integrating it, not only for myself healing from complex trauma, but also just in the room with clients, finding that you really have to bring the body into the therapy room when you're working through things mm-hmm. that are chronically held, such as trauma, anxiety, uh, grief, things like that. And then also I'm an EMDR therapist. So a lot of the stuff I do is through very much that EMDR lens as well as that somatic therapy. Love that. Can you do a, a quick synopsis of what EMDR is? Ooh, yes. I mean, there's so many, like I could do a one or anybody minute, listening. I could do the 10 minute version. Like there's so many cool. <laughs> so we'll do the wait, one minute I, Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, do the one minute. I'm curious. So basically EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. That's what it stands for. But what's cool mm-hmm. is it's actually a therapy that's much more than eye movements. Essentially what it is, is bilateral stimulation on the brain. And we do that while you're 
doing eye movement or alternate tapping on the body or through alternate sounds or watching a light bar. There's lots of different ways to access that bilateral stimulation on the brain. And what we found is that while you're doing that and you're working through a trauma memory or any type of present or past situation that brings up a lot of distress, not only emotionally, but also in the body, um, however you're carrying it, if you do the bilateral stimulation, you are not only desensitizing the intensity of it. So when you think back on that memory, instead of having that intense response or flashbacks or nausea or the drop in the stomach or the anxious thoughts, whatever it might be, you think back and you think, you know, it wasn't okay what happened and yet I'm okay now and I'm in the present now. So it's this whole idea of working through the past in order to show up in your present and also work through the future triggers and fears. Um, I think that went over one minute. I could keep going. I love EMDR. Yeah, no, it's I, like a whole other. That's, <laughs> I'm very passionate I've had like, I love it. I've had very many like didactic trainings about EMDR where it's like, it does like describe what it is. Though I didn't like the tapping is new. Um, but that was a really good description. And I think for everyone listening, (laughs) just because we're in the field does not mean we know everything about what's in the field. Uh, yeah, I've never done EMDR and there's still like, it's like one of those things that like I want to do down the line, but given where I work, it doesn't necessarily like fit in to like our model. So it's not sort of like on the back burner of like things to do as you know. Which is the bummer because actually for the school setting, what's cool about EMDR is and what we're finding now is that it uh-huh. does work short term as well. So I think traditionally Wait, we thought, really? yeah, yeah. So actually, I don't like to say this just because every person is so different and it really depends yeah. on you and your nervous system and your history. But on okay. average for one single trauma memory, it takes six to 12 sessions to fully reprocess this memory, work through the eight phases of EMDR. And I always love to say EMDR is truly a science and an art. And Mm -hmm. so what you can do is you can work on, you know, desensitizing, like if you have panic disorder or test anxiety, Mm -hmm. you can work on just desensitizing that and installing future templates in the brain and the body of I can successfully work through my test and I can show up and I am not fearful and, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, there's other things where you also do EMD, which is a shorter form of EMDR. And that's where it's so overwhelming because you have so much complexity of maybe trauma or grief or loss in your life and your system can't tolerate. It's just too much. You disassociate a lot. You can't tolerate traditional EMDR. So we shorten it and we just desensitize everything going on. And so it brings you back to a baseline. And yeah, there's still work to do, but at least you can have some functioning in your present. So there's a lot of um, different ways or it's installing. There's some really cool resourcing that we do through EMDR of creating these um, healthy skills to navigate triggers in your daily life that you learn through this process. And so those are other ways of even if you have one session, we can do a lot if we're doing it through the lens of EMDR, which is truly a brain and body based therapy. So yeah, Paula, you should get you can't say yeah, you can't (laughs) see my you can't see my face. but I am like full face, like full shock. Uh, That's I knew it it could be like somewhere in the like 10 to 12 session manageable in my setting. But yeah, that's so interesting. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I know what I'm going to be looking up later. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I think especially effective therapy, which is what I love about it. So you're not wasting a lot of time doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And like I work in higher ed 
And for anyone who knows anything about the state of higher ed right now, college students are having a hard time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we see a lot of students, which means we have to be more solution focused in their shorter term sessions. Like there's a set number of sessions, usually per semester, per academic year. It's usually ten, uh, right? Something like that. It's such it, a short It's super. Model. It super varies. Yeah, it super varies from place to place. I feel like ten is a good number, but I've seen places that have as low as like four or five. Wow. And oh places God. that have more. Like it very much depends on like mm-hmm. your student to staff ratio and like how many resources are sort of in the area that you live. Um, but it is definitely still like solution focused. Mm-hmm. A lot of trying to like reduce symptoms and. A lot of times, like I get to be the first therapist someone has, which is really kind of fun and special. So it's more of like an intro to therapy. Let's learn some skills, get into the stuff we need to get into. And then, okay, what do we do to find longer term therapy next or, you know, figuring out what to do next time? Like some people will sort of space it out their sessions and see me multiple years in a row while they're at the school. Um, But it does mean that like we're not, you know, it's real different than that, like weekly therapy where you get to like really get into stuff mm. um it can be more of a like ma- like management of it sometimes than like the deep trauma work like i don't do a lot of deep trauma work yeah. that we would send out just because it's not it's not the place that's going to be most helpful yeah um yeah, and definitely. could be harmful so yeah way more retraumatizing and activating yeah if you don't yeah so instead i do it. a lot exactly instead i do a lot more of the like supporting for safety, trying to like build up sense of like physical safety again and that recognition of like that was then, this is now, and then find a, a trauma therapist they can see regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for that longer term work. What is your yep. favorite um, type of backgrounds that you use? Is it like DBT? Because I'm thinking when you think of yeah. focus therapy, talk to me about <laughs> what you use. I actually, so I like I conceptualize in a like much more psychodynamic lens. Mm. Uh, so that's sort of how they see clients and like talk about it. But in terms of the like skills based, we love an act, we love a CBT, we do DBT mm-hmm. skills. So like I pulse those skills, like whatever this is going to fit best for the student. Um, but the way that I conceptualize working with them is more psychodynamic. And like we talk, I talk a lot about patterns with them and connecting past to, to present. It's also, I think fits really well because it's a lot of, students first time living away from home mm. and sometimes getting to see that like not everyone grew up like them that sometimes what they went through isn't like the best yeah not and healthy <laughs> like exactly we it exactly exactly <laughs> yep. um so helping them sort of understand that yeah. and then how that's shaping what's going on right now or why that might be affecting what's going on right now um and to kind of like build those connections and then the skills on top of that but You'd be surprised the number of kids where like getting to or they're not kids. They're technically adults. They're young adults uh, with their inner child for sure. <laughs> but their inner child for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, but where like getting to see those connections, they're like, wait, wait, what? Um, mm. Like, what do you mean? Like, it's all just oftentimes a lot of new information, like even the basics that we would sort of think of as like not common sense, but like the the stuff that I think like you and I sort of forget not everybody knows. Right. And I think that's a little teaser for our, our first oh, book. Yeah. That's actually um, why we picked our first book, which is so yeah. funny. <laughs> but there's like those, those moments and like those conversations that I have with students that can be 
hugely helpful and can kind of take things forward for them to be like, oh, okay, like this is normal and this is what to expect where maybe they grew up in a household that had no language around mental health or emotional Mm -hmm. wellness or emotions, period. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I'd be called like a generalist. Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing that I have not seen walk through the door. Whether I'm the best person for all those things, definitely not. There's stuff that we, you know, send out of the clinic, Mm -hmm. but we see it all and figure it out. So I definitely don't have like a a niche or a specialty unless like the age range of like undergrad and grad students is is, like, that's the niche as opposed to like a presenting. Yeah. And then also I think that, like you said, that psychodynamic and generalist Mm -hmm. of the really a lot of that basic psychoeducation teaching even what is emotions and things like that. Yeah. What is psychodynamics? I don't know if everyone knows that term yes. even. In the like the way everyone's going to I think we will just be like, ah, yes, uh, it's just Freud, except for we do, we do not <laughs> love Freud. Uh, agree with that. We love. do not agree with everything Freud said. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, he he got us started and where we are today. Yeah. Uh, but just you know, missed <laughs> the mark on a few things. Yeah, we leave uh, some, that can some be behind <laughs> a lot of other people like followed off of that. So Winnicott is one that's in there. I'm now almost like obviously going to blank on every psychodynamic therapist uh, ever, but it's more of, I think the focus is more on the past and the patterns that are built mm-hmm. as opposed to the current day symptoms. Like the current day symptoms are telling us something about the past. And I like to look at like, like I talk about not necessarily like the subconscious, the things they don't know about, but the things that they haven't made the aware, like the connection to a lot of the different relationships, like relationships they have with other people, but also their relationship with themselves and their relationship with the world at large or like the school and the different people sort of in between the home life and the like world at large, but sort of looking at these different ways that you see and relate uh, the information that you gather from outside and from your sort of like internal experience. Yeah. Which is so, so important with the, yeah. everything going on in this world. And yeah, especially working with college students, they're mm-hmm. about to delve into a world that, that yeah. scares them. Uh, and I think yeah. scares us, but Absolutely. they grew up, you know, we keep getting older and older and they, they all sort of stay the same age and get to see the world in different ways. And mm-hmm. I learn a lot from them. Mm, every day yeah. and not just slang though i do learn a lot of slang <laughs> uh right although it shows our age like we are getting old. oh truly <laughs> truly and so what led you into this field i gone to therapy when i was like super young and then went to college planning to go pre-med wanted to be a pediatrician and work mm-hmm. with kids and then also decided to take like a developmental psych course while in my i think sophomore year while i was also taking organic chemistry which spoiler did not do very well in. Uh, but the developmental psych class was super interesting. Really loved it. Made a lot of sense. We thought it was really interesting. I had a, also a really great professor. Um, but while I was like really struggling with like the organic chemistry and the, the hard sciences that I would need to be pre-med, I was learning a lot in my psych classes that was incredibly interesting. And I had already been to therapy. I knew it was a thing that existed in the world that I could do. Uh, and just kind of decided to swap over. So decided to still end up going to grad school and get my doctorate, but just in a, a different area. So I'm just not that kind of doctor. Uh, and then the brain doctor though, in a way, the brain, brain doctor, but not like the cut open the brain doctor. Right. Really? Uh, I started working with kids and then 
there was an opening at the at this college near where I went to grad school, decided to take a prac externship there, loved it and just stayed with the college mm. age group since then. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was, yeah, a little bit of happenstance for the age group, mm-hmm. but sort of knew I was going to be in school for an extended period of time right. uh, from <laughs> from early undergrad. What about you? Um, I, yeah, it was also a windy path like us all. So funny enough, mm-hmm. though, my dad's a clinical psychologist and my mom's a ah. clinical social worker, but I was never going to okay. be a therapist. I was like, I'm not doing what they're doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but got my degree in environmental science. I was going to be a Whoa. environmental lawyer. Yeah. And then cool. I realized how depressing that field is because, you know, climate change, nothing we can do about it. No, I don't say that. Oh, my gosh. We can oh. do things about it. But for me being yes. I was like, I can't personally. This is on just, the front line. Yes. As a lawyer. I, I can't. No, I totally get that. Like my capacity, yeah. my nervous system. That was way too depressing. So mm-hmm. I thought it, it was kind of getting to that point. I was about to graduate and I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. What am I going to yeah. do? Um, And so I just thought, well, what am I good at? I was an RA for three years and I loved mm-hmm. it in college. And so mm-hmm. I. You know, I went and got my master's in social work, just went straight through. And my first, yeah. I didn't know social workers could do therapy, but my first internship was as a elementary school therapist and I fell in love with it. And oh, I was so like, Wait, this is what you can do with your life. <laughs> this is fun. And it was during that time. I've always done yoga, always practiced. And then mm-hmm. ever since I was a kid, cause my parents were kind of more hippies. And so we <laughs> grew up with this more holistic worldview. And so yeah. I started incorporating yoga with the kids and they loved it. And then so I got uh, certified through the 200 hour yoga alliance training to be a yoga teacher. And then I thought, though, this is not enough. We need more. And so I did mm-hmm. all the trauma informed trainings just on how to really make yoga more accessible, which I mean, that's a whole podcast on itself. So I won't go into that right now. But um, yeah, that's so then, cool. Oh, I love that. Turned into this whole specializing in the body and somatic, the where do we carry yeah. stuff and, and trauma. Which I think like coming from that yoga background just makes mm-hmm. so much sense. Yeah. So this is even better. What did you expect like to be as a therapist in the field versus like how you are actually a therapist in the field now? I feel like I have changed so much as a therapist before. I mean, then when I started, I've been now in the field mm-hmm. at working for seven years doing clinical work. And, you know, in the beginning, it's so funny because you're new and you're not licensed. And so you're constantly, mm-hmm. I remember I'd be reading before a lot of sessions, like tuning up on my, okay, what do I yes. need to, you know, study up on this diagnosis or these things, or what does the research say of how to handle this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just kind of not trusting yourself in this process. And I would wear blazers and I would, wear, you know, dress up as you thought, yeah. like a bun, <laughs> things that you yeah. thought you had to look like. And I couldn't, yeah. I wasn't me. And so that's what's been so cool is the transformation of as you really find your groove and your niche in this field mm-hmm. is now I get to be totally myself. And also just doing this enough time, it becomes second nature and you don't have to keep yeah. flipping through things and you know, you've seen, like mm-hmm. you said, you've seen almost everything, every type of thing walk through the door mm-hmm. of type of potential issue or diagnosis yep. or thing. And so by, you know, after a certain amount of time, it, it's just, it, it comes, it's easier and it's um, more fun because yeah. you get to be 
like I wear yoga pants now and like flowy things. Mm -hmm. And I drink constantly throughout the day with my clients and I get to offer them it. And that's what I love about private practice is you really have so much more Mm -hmm. flexibility of how you show up. I don't have to dress or be a certain way. I get to completely just be real with them. Yeah. 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 No, I definitely, I have not been like post grad as long. I graduate January 2021 because dissertations take a minute. Well, also, uh, and the pandemic PhD didn't help. It's like seven years. So you've been, yeah, in the it was a, a whole time. It was a whole vibe. Yeah. I've been working for quite some time. Uh, just not as a graduated, um, or licensed though now I am. But, oh, I totally feel you. Like it was business cash, like working with kids at a school and like an inpatient hospital, which is looking back, I was like, what? Um, and now like, I'm so much more comfortable like being myself and also so much more comfortable being like, you know what? Got to consult on that one. Mm, Get back mm -hmm. to you. Like I'm so much more comfortable being like, I still need to think on this. Like, why don't we keep exploring this? Also, like I want to consult with colleagues. I want to look some stuff up. Whereas like the first few years I could not imagine because I'd be so like, Oh my God, they're going to think I'm like, I need to know what I'm doing all of the time. And now I'm like, no, like that's okay. Um, and I've done that before and students are like, oh, great, cool. Like, yeah, I, w- I want you to make sure you you are looking it up or whatever. So I totally feel you. Yeah, that's the cool thing, too, of referring out where it's oh, mm-hmm. I don't have to be the expert in everything. I only have to be in my niche. And if I don't know, yeah. it's OK. It doesn't mean I'm not a competent therapist. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. If you you there's no way to be a competent therapist in every single thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. And that's the beauty of why there's so many cool therapists. We all get to specialize. Awesome. And that's my favorite thing to like tell everyone is that if you do mm-hmm. not connect with your therapist, go find another. It's like yep. meeting. You have to you have to really make sure it's a good fit. You have to try lots mm-hmm. and to really see what style works for you. Yep. I say that to students all the time. Even like students will come in and have their first session. Like we have a little like we call it like a screener. And at the end of it, I'll be like, you can stay with me a few sessions in you're like this is not the right fit that's fine tell me i'll pass you on to one of my colleagues it's not a big deal and they're always like fascinating would never imagine doing that i'm like yeah that's fine yeah that's like part of what makes our like our job so like interesting and unique Mm -hmm. is that we get to have like conversations about ourselves as in related to them without having it be so personal in the room right and like we can go process and deal with it outside but like we're able to be like hey is this a good fit no cool Mm -hmm. like that's okay. Still means I'm, it doesn't mean I'm bad at my job. It just means that like you need someone different and that's okay. Yeah. And then empowers clients to have choice that they yes. get to choose. They get to make sure they feel comfortable with the right person. So what are your All favorite right, all books? I was just about to ask you the same thing. <laughs> you were going to ask me that. I, I have, I'm staring at my new bookshelf filled with my, my nonfiction oh. ones that like I will sort of always recommend. We do this till we free us on prison abolition. I will always recommend this book. It was fabulous. I have a little review on my page further down. No Visible Bruises oh, yeah, is, a really it's oh so good. Um, It's written by a journalist. I've yet to find a book written by a journalist I did not love mm-hmm. and looks at domestic violence uh, in the U.S., which is stunningly done. And then Emotional Labor is a relatively new one by Rose uh, Hackman, but loved it like devoured it. I got like an early, like advanced reader copy and then was going to go see her. She was, I think at the strand, uh, 
and I was like going to go listen to her speak, get my book signed, had a really bad day, couldn't swing it, went home. Uh, but she was in Michigan a few days later. My mom went with a friend and got the book signed, but got it signed for me. Uh, so now my mom has the advanced reader <laughs> copy to read and I, I have the hard copy. Um, so that was very special, but that book is also fabulous. Uh, I feel like those are the three that I'll be like, you should always read these. Um, and none of, they're not, I should really find books that are like a little bit more like upbeat. Uh, <laughs> not, not the nonfiction that I read. I know. Uh, it's heavy, heavy stuff. Like you really have to sit with it. Yeah. Which is why yeah. we're talking about it. We're doing a whole podcast because very true. You can't just quickly very read true. and like you have to no. really, really think and explore. Yeah. So, so what about you? you? Oh my gosh. Well, there's so many. And so it's so funny because in grad school, I mm-hmm. really, that's when I really dove into trauma. And, and it's funny why I was yeah. even drawn to trauma. I think it's because of just some stuff that happened in college and really witnessing, you know, a lot of the college campus just the issues with yep. rape and sexual assault and that whole college yeah. culture around it. And yeah. so I was just really drawn to trauma, especially specifically sexual trauma and how yoga and all of the body mm-hmm. somatic practices help with healing. And so a lot of my, pretty much all I read is around trauma. I, uh, uh, it didn't start with you by Mark Wolin. I don't know if I ah, yes. Right? Wolin. Yeah. Well, such, um, such a good book. I mean, one of the few books out there really talking about generational trauma and epigenetics yeah. and how trauma mm-hmm. changes your genetics across a generation and how you show up. And I think it's a really helpful to have that background when we think of how do we show up in this world? Why are we mm-hmm. the way we are? And of course, if you're, for example, mom or dad or grandma or grandma, because it shows up for three generations you know, if they mm-hmm. went through something, if they had to leave their country, if they had went through stress and all these things, prenatal, neonatal trauma, I mean, it's, of mm-hmm. course, it's going to show up in how we are in our personality and our lived experience in these imprints that we can't see in the body. Um, so, it, mm-hmm. oh my God, yeah, such a good book. Yeah. The first time I learned about epigenetics was like in a bio class. Oh, yeah. And I've talked about it more in my psych classes than I did in my science classes. Uh, to be fair, I didn't go very long in my hard science classes but i think about epigenetics like when i first heard about it i was like this is wild right so Um, wild yeah the psychology perspective of yeah for sure yeah and the wiring of your body body. so interesting last okay last book i have to mention this one trauma and the 12 steps it's okay the subtitle is an inclusive guide to enhancing recovery it's by jamie marich um, have you heard her speak? No. Is she, oh, have you been in person? I heard. No, sadly. Um, but I heard her on a podcast who, that I don't remember which one it was. Dang it. Um, but talking about her dissociation book. Oh, I oh, know she wrote so a cool. dissociation book. Okay. It, I'm going to look into I that. I want to say it's like dissociation made simple. That's not what it is. No. I don't think. Wait, is, is, is it? I'm going to Google because that book is a very popular book in the trauma world. I didn't realize she was the same author of that. Hang on. If she, yeah. Because if she is, um, that's on my book to buy. Oh, it is. Wow. Oh, that's, <laughs> it is. Okay. And then I have to get that book too. Yeah. And her Instagram, like her reels talking about different like trauma books and stuff. Yeah. Stunning. Oh, um, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I heard her do like an interview about the dissociation book on one of my like ther- therapy podcasts or like therapist podcasts. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one. There's like a couple, but uh, I loved it. I was like, I could listen to you talk about things forever. Oh, that's so cool. Um, 
but trauma in the 12 steps is on my never ending TBR. Right. I know. Same to be read list. It is always being added to. But what's so cool about trauma in the 12 steps is because I really feel for the recovery community or people mm-hmm. going through addiction. One of the f- facilities I was at for a couple of years was a rehab. And mm-hmm. what's so horrible about our mental health care system is we separate with insurance. If you have substance mm-hmm. abuse, you're going to be an addiction primary. We're not really addressing mm-hmm. mental health. If you have mental health, we're going to be in mental health primary and they keep it so separate. And the issue mm-hmm. is with addiction. I don't know any addict who does not have trauma or some type of mental health issue going on. That's that true co-occurring yeah. disorder of yeah. uh, both. But yet in the addiction world, we do not do it. We say that's it. And then maybe when you're sober, we'll address the trauma. But the thing is, if someone has trauma, yeah. they're not going to get sober because it's so overwhelming to be sober and to yeah. be in their body when they haven't addressed yeah. or gotten the skills to address that. And so, yes. And like AA is not the method that everyone needs, but yeah. it's about Ooh. that in his books. Mm-hmm. I've only read Myth of Normal, but I like know he like talked, he like referenced his other books in there. Um, but I think he talks a lot about how like this separation of those two is problematic, which. Yes. And so, again, but what's so interesting. Whole other is podcast. It, right. And then in the addiction world, the 12 step model is pretty much the main model that people follow. And so mm-hmm. what she did with this book, and there's a corresponding workbook is she basically takes the AA 12 steps and mm-hmm. makes it remakes it or not remakes it. She just adds and embellishes and really explains trauma and makes it in such a beautiful way that it mm-hmm. it makes complete sense. And you can actually still use some principles from AA, but through that trauma-informed lens. And because I think that's one of the big issues of AA is they're not trauma-informed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was, you were saying she takes the like 12 steps and like incorporates like trauma-informed care yeah. basically sort of into them. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just makes it very accessible. Um, oh, love that. Yeah. You know, disclaimer from our end is that this is not a substitute for therapy. If you do need therapy, we always recommend, you know, reach out. There's a lot of low cost options, sliding scale options for different therapists. And so knowing that whatever you do need as you work through your journey of healing, that we are hoping to just be maybe one more tool in your toolbox of bibliotherapy or this idea of even though we're not bibliotherapists in this episode or in this system it's more how do we use books as a a beautiful resource to add to your tools of journey Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely no definitely and i think an episode more in depth about how to find a therapist might be warranted so if you have questions about that send those to us which Actually, if you have any questions or book or, or book recommendations, books you'd be interested in us talking about, you can email us at askthattherapist at gmail.com. So all one word, title of the podcast, askthattherapist at gmail.com, as well as on Instagram at askthattherapist. And you can shoot us questions or book recs in there as well. Well, that's our time for today. You got this. Talk to you guys later. If you found this helpful, please rate and review. This helps us increase mental health awareness throughout this podcast.